0: Welcome to Let's Talk. Here we will focus on the hustle, the juggle, and everyday struggle of small business, about their everyday struggles, stresses, and ways they have been able to overcome the challenges of running their business. We welcome questions and comments, so please feel free to email us at admin at We hope you enjoy, and above all, we hope it helps. Welcome to The Hustle, Juggle, and Struggle of Small Business. Today, we have in our studio Mr. Larry Hobbs. We're starting a series on human resource or HR topics. And today, our topic is going to be communication improvement. Welcome, Larry.
1: Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate the invitation, Thalia.
0: Good. So let's talk about what is communication, first of all.
1: Well, communication uh, always involves a sender and a receiver. And what most people don't realize is that uh, if you go out in the middle of the woods and yell and nobody hears you, there was no communication. Mm. Uh, It has to be the sender and the receiver. The uh, technical definition of of, uh, communication is the process of human relations, of passing information and understanding from one person to another.
0: And that's key, the understanding aspect, correct?
1: It is. It is.
0: So how can we improve communication in the workplace from a manager to employee, employee to employee, even manager to manager?
1: Well, first of all, I w- I would say that uh, the the importance of communication is underplayed in most organizations. In my long career, I've determine that communication and poor communication is probably uh, the biggest problem in corporate America. Uh, a lot of problems would be solved if we had better communication. And so that's why I've studied this topic and am able to talk about it and uh, teach it in seminars uh, because it it is so important. And it doesn't matter whether it's a large organization or a small organization, you need this highly effective communication.
0: Well, let's talk about what is effective communication, because we know with the pandemic and all the other uh, implications in that, communication is broken down. Because it used to be you could pick up a phone, call someone. Now you have many methods of communication. So how can we be effective in our communication?
1: Well, most people uh, don't think outside of the box and they don't think uh, about all the different ways to communicate. Of course, the most common down throughout history has been face-to-face conversation. Uh, Now we have telephone calls, voicemail, meetings, memos, letters, computers. Photographs, exhibits and displays, charts and graphs. Yes. In-house publications, uh, what's commonly called newsletters, uh, bulletin boards, mm-hmm. uh, demonstrations, whether it's inside the facility, you're demonstrating a product or outside the facility you're demonstrating in the street uh films and videos and of course uh in 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 my seminars, I add a little humor. We also have skywriting mm. where the airplane spells out "I love you mm-hmm. uh, all of these are methods of communication and and most people don't think about the different methods of person to person communication. Uh, that are available.
0: Wow. So let's talk about how we can maximize the ability to communicate in the office or in a work setting, because we know now the work settings have changed. It used to be all in the office face-to-face. Now we're Zooming or WebExing or something like that. How can we make it more effective?
1: Well, and we also have long distances and we have international and we have translations and uh, communication goes on uh, in a much bigger setting than it did uh, uh, even 500 years ago when everyone uh, lived in a village, everyone spoke the same language, they wore the same clothes, they uh, ate the same food, they went to the same church and they They practically knew everybody else in their village and they they didn't travel much. Only a few rich people could travel. So the need for communication and the methods of communication and the, the subject itself has changed significantly and of course now instead of small businesses, we have large corporations I'd like to address for a second that uh that long list I gave you of uh of how people can communicate with others different methods uh there's a whole new realm now available for uh organizations and that is uh, communicating not just inside the organization with the employees but now it's very significant Uh, communicating outside the organization to either get your message across or to sell a product or to uh, convey your feelings or to persuade somebody on some subject, Uh, all the good causes in the world, all the nonprofit uh, organizations uh, that exist. Uh, Even in San Antonio, there's four or five hundred non-profit organizations. Most people are surprised to find that many, Uh, but all of them have a message and uh, they're not there to communicate inside the organization. They're there to communicate outside the organization.
0: True. So tell us, how can we improve it? How can we make it better to be more effective internally as well as externally? Because there are two, obviously, different methods but the goal is still the same, to convey information that people understand and can apply and use. Uh,
1: yes, and the audiences are different. Uh, the in-house communication, uh, you you have uh, the formal authoritative structure – uh, where your boss supervises you and uh, and and speaks in a chain of command, that sort of thing. Uh, but outside the organization, uh, we've now developed a whole new lengthy list of communication methods. For instance, press conferences, news releases, dinners and speeches, print advertising, television, radio, magazines, and newspapers. Uh, event sponsorships, now every, every football stadium and soccer stadium has a sponsor uh, and they have a name and of course that's a form of advertising. But it's another way of, of getting that eye contact uh, to get their name into people's mind. And of course uh, we have greeting cards, uh, corporate annual meetings, contests and prizes – uh, holiday occasions, social media, uh, team sponsorships, which is kind of what I just mentioned, uh, discount coupons, even at the cash register. Uh, all of these are forms of communication uh, to sell a product or to get your attention, to uh, persuade you uh, on some subject of significance or Maybe it's not significant,
0: correct. So let's talk about internal communication. How can a business owner organization, be it a mom and pop, be it a midsize or be it a large um, corporation company? How can they improve their communication internally? and then we'll go to external
1: internally they they have to put their uh, themselves uh, in the place of the receiver. And communication would be so much better if the sender would think more about the receiver. And uh, it, it's uh, sort of like this word we have of sympathy and empathy. It's like if you really want to show your concern, you have to, you have to take on the feelings of the person that you're giving the sympathy to. So uh, when you design your communication – Uh, You need to think about who your audience is, and then you need to think about uh, the verbal as well as nonverbal indicators, and you need to think about something that we call noise Mm. and something else that we call barriers.
0: Mm -hmm. And those are two different things that most people don't consider always in their communications styles, verbiage or anything like that because you would talk to the engineers in your company a little differently than you would talk to the sales and marketing department.
1: Well, yes. It's sort of like uh, when your doctor talks to you, they're speaking a medical language. Dr. <laughs> we don't even know what the words mean. We have to ask them and we have to trust them. And so we need to put ourselves in in the place of the uh, of the receiver. And uh, one, of those, uh, one of the words that we use in uh, improving communication is to, to uh, study and try to eliminate what we call noise. Noise, and I'm not speaking about a loud noise, but a, a noise is, is anything that interferes or diminishes the communication. And we have things, uh, speech impediments, uh, a garbled transmission like when you get an echo from the satellite i mean you can hear the other person speaking but that echo is very irritating and it's not quite as clear and and of course we all know that our our telephone conversations are traveling <laughs> thousands of miles uh in a split second uh uh we have uh, negative attitudes we have illegible photos print Handwriting uh, again, the doctor's handwriting—you can't read the signatures. Uh, telephone static, a partial loss of hearing, uh, poor eyesight, insufficient uh, uh, lighting it makes it difficult to read. And, and these things are called noise. It's anything that diminishes the receiver from receiving a hundred percent of the message.
0: And we know that communication isn't all verbal or written. We know that there are aspects of nonverbal communication, and we'll touch on that a little bit later on. But like you say, the noise, because the receiver could be in a different headspace than they're able to receive what you're saying, even though you're telling them the sky is blue. But if they're distracted, you have no control over that, but the sky still is blue, and you've tried to communicate. Whether or not the receiver actually hears that or recognizes that, that's always the challenge.
1: And, and, and uh, also, uh, are they ready to receive and did they receive it? And uh, we usually verify that by uh, saying yes, nodding our head or agreeing or asking a question. Uh, we like a response. When we send a message of any kind, we like to get a response back. In fact, uh, some of the emails we'll send, we, we, we even say, please verify or please respond uh, or please confirm, whatever the word is. Uh, we want to know, did you receive it? And uh, that's, that's very important. Uh, in addition to these noise, this thing we call noise that interferes, uh, there's also just some flat-out barriers. Yeah, let's
0: talk about those.
1: uh, A barrier, uh, they're more serious than noise because the barrier will completely block the transfer of understanding rather than just interfering with it. For instance, there's physical barriers like distance, loud noises, time zones, walls, uh, we have uh, semantic barriers, uh, the use of words. Uh, our language causes a great deal of problem with communication. Uh, I'll give you an example, uh, Thalia. If, if, if I'm sitting here across from you and I'm speaking to you and I say, Thalia, you look spaced out today. Well, that word spaced out. Uh, What what do you think it means, Thalia? I'm not here at all. I'm zoned into
0: another space. I'm not connected.
1: Or you're high on drugs. Or which I'm not, guys. I'm not. I understand. (laughs) Uh, Or 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 you're daydreaming. Or you're you're not in our setting. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's something else preoccupying your mind, and uh, uh, those are barriers. And, of course, we're speaking about uh, the language. Uh, If I tell you that I know so-and-so and and, uh, he's rich, well, rich could mean different things to different people.
0: Depending on their background and how they perceive rich.
1: Well, certainly. You and I might consider ourselves rich, but if we were a multi-multi-millionaire – uh, they would look at us as poor, uh, not rich, and so we have to we have to use the words in our communication uh, that will be interpreted and understood in the way we sent it uh, to the receiver, and we have to be careful with our with our words. For instance, uh, I could tell you uh, that my friend so and so is sick. Well, that could be a bad cold, or that could be cancer. We use that same word to mean very, very minimal and very, very maximum. And so it's, it's, it's open to interpretation. And again, that means it's open to misinterpretation. Correct. So in the communication world, we, we need to think about that. And uh, then there's also uh, within this language, we have something called colloquialisms. And colloquialisms are are little phrases that only have meaning to the local people or to people that uh, have have lived with them or heard them or understood those. And uh, I'll I'll never forget something that happened to me in college. Uh, I was probably a sophomore or a junior in college and we had a few foreign students in the class. And, and this professor said, well, it's sort of like when you get on a soapbox. And these, these four hands shot up, these foreign students, and they said, you know, professor, what does that mean, a soapbox? And I'm telling you the honest truth, Thalia. He said, well, it's kind of like when you have an ax to grind.
0: Another colloquialism that they didn't
1: understand. Of course. Well, their hands went right up. And they said, sir, we we know what those words mean, but we, we don't know what you mean. And he said, okay, it's like when you have a pet peeve. He used three colloquialisms to define what he was getting at. And, uh, I mean, I'll never forget that. I heard it, and I wrote it down at the time so I could remember it. So it was a lot of fun. But, again, colloquialisms are something that can cause a problem.
0: True enough. And that's just with basic communication, even between members of a family, if one part of the family is from another country or another state and they're not familiar with it. But it really impedes communication in the workplace Internally, because you have potentially employees from all over that are not familiar with them. And even in a business, there is a language of communication that that business adapts for its own culture. So the key becomes understanding what language that you're using to communicate effectively, because there are cultural languages that say, a management consulting firm would use versus a doctor's practice or manufacturing environment, and that becomes critical.
1: In, in fact, in the human resource management world, uh, we, we, we say that human resource management is the same in every organization, the, the basic essential functions. However, if you take a job in HR in any organization, you have some buzzwords and these are the what you were just speaking about these buzzwords are the language of that industry or that business and so the you know a trucking company uses uh, a different buzzwords than a medical office, uh, a retail store, a manufacturer. They all have their own uh, language of specialized terms and technologies uh, that only apply to them, and everyone that works there needs to understand those.
0: So we have Chris here, and we'd like to talk about your post-COVID business update. What's going on, Chris?
2: Well, think about it as in any life-changing event, you're going to need to sit down with the proper professionals and remind them or let them know what's going on in your current situation So I always say you need to reconvene with professionals about the reopening to make sure that you refocus and revisit and review all the different items that you had going on. So your business may have changed dramatically over the course of the last 18, 24 months, however long it's been now, and they need to know what's going on. Likewise, you need to know what's going on in their world so they can tell you about any upcoming changes or any changes to their business model. Just make sure you keep everybody in the loop and make sure that everything is being communicated on an open platform.
0: So, Chris, how can we get a hold of you for more information?
2: Well, our main office is in San Antonio Offituity of 1 and Bidders. We also have a website, pontemfinancial.com, P-O-N-T-E-M financial.com. And we're also on LinkedIn, Facebook. And, of course, we have a phone, 210-625-4845, to reach out to a member of my team or myself.
3: Thank you, Chris. Chris Hall is a financial advisor and partner with Pontum Financial in San Antonio, Texas. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA slash SIPC.
0: So let's discuss a little bit about external communications for the public or for, as you mentioned, during those press releases and things of that nature. How can a company be effective in communicating externally?
1: You know, that's a great question. And, and uh, when you start talking about external communication, uh, these corporations, uh, they pay a lot of money. Uh, they they hire uh, in-house they hire communication specialists out of house they hire uh, uh, media uh, agencies they hire uh, uh, publicity agencies uh, they hire advertising agencies and uh, and they come up with these extravagant Methodologies. And of course, you know, with the Super Bowl coming up, uh, we're going to see the halftime show. You know, uh, they've spent the last year coming up with these 30 second to one minute ads that cost millions of dollars just because they know they have a large audience and they want to impress them in some way. And so they pay a lot of money for that. Now, most corporations don't have that kind of money. And, uh, you know, the 80 uh, percent, uh, this is an HR thing, 80 uh, percent of, of the U.S. workforce works for small business. And these are businesses, there's different uh, you know the Small Business Administration and Chambers of Commerce. Uh, they all have different uh, ways of determining who's a small business. Uh, but to me, it's businesses that have you know fewer than 250 employees. And once you get more than 250, then you're you're dealing with millions of dollars of revenue and and payroll, and uh, you you have uh, the wherewithal of a larger company. So. Uh, Being that most people work for a small company, uh, we need to think about the internal and the external communication.
0: And with that external communication, we talked about the Super Bowl, and we know that this is going to be listened to in November sometime as well. But you think about the external communication that that particular entity or that particular event brings to the table. And it's not just – that one-time shot is longevity because how many times will people go back and look at those commercials or go back and look at some of the ads from that and talk about it around the water cooler or uh, in their zoom meetings the very next day so the impact of those communications like you said they spend lots of time and lots of money because the external agencies also have to work with internal agencies but what if this company is not a mom and, or is a mom and pop place where they just have maybe five employees. Naturally, they're not going to do the Super Bowl, but they still want to get their product service awareness out there. How can they make an impact also?
1: I think that the, uh, the small companies are not going to spend a lot of money. Uh, they're going to uh, focus, of course, in internal communication uh, is highly important because it's, it's them and a handful – the owner and a handful of employees. And, uh, and, and, and they work together and they see each other every minute of every day. Uh, and so that, that's highly important. Uh, the, the question of how, how is that small company going to deal with the outside world, uh, they're going to start small. Uh, uh, a sign in their window – assign uh, at their their building location if they have a building. And, of course, the trend today is uh, work from home or start in your garage or outsource to some other manufacturer or sewer, sewing operation or whatever it is you're making and selling – and of course the internet has just changed merchandising uh, around the world. Um, I have a friend uh, here in San Antonio, he owns a business in Europe and in the Far East uh and and in Texas. And he spends about 3 months in each place uh, organizing and building and and growing his businesses, but it's all based on the internet. Mm. It's an internet business. And I guess those things are just uh, not going to go away anytime soon. And they're getting refined and they're growing. And, of course, in my volunteer work with the Small Business Administration, I've found – I've been volunteering with them for three years. I've found that uh, uh, social media is just absolutely taking over and moving to the forefront of small business communication advertising, marketing, selling, whatever you want to call it. Uh it it just cannot be ignored. You uh I, I know you're very knowledgeable on that. Uh you might mention some ways that they they communicate uh using social media.
0: Yeah, it's a challenge because you now have The opportunity to have so many eyes on you from so many different places that you didn't expect. Because when you're talking about communicating, you're talking about sharing because that's what social media is designed to do, to share what you're doing. Now, what you communicate in that space makes the difference, whether you're communicating your community activities, whether you're communicating you have a new product for sale or whether you're communicating a sale. It, it makes a huge difference.
1: Yes, and uh, of course, uh, again, back to the nonprofits, uh, they're not selling anything. Uh, they are looking for donations. They're looking for volunteers, but they're all also trying to uh, pull on your heartstrings and, and, and get some supporters to help them in whatever their goals happen to be. And uh, social media is, uh, I would say, highly efficient and highly Mm cost-effective because what you put in to a website or uh, these other social media platforms uh, is not very expensive uh, compared to uh, magazines and radio and television and and print media. Correct,
0: and I think also the impact that social media can have makes a difference. I've always taught or told my clients, Pick a platform don't feel you have to be on all of them. Pick one where your audience resides, and then enhance the communication that you have with them. Be consistent because without consistency, you're going to get lost in the noise
1: That's right. Uh, as far as communication at work, and we'll just take uh, any, any company or organization uh, there's really two types of communication there's the formal. Structure, and that's when you draw an organization chart with lines and and uh, uh, subordinates and and superiors and the boss, and you have a uh, you always have this org chart uh, divided by departments, and uh, you know the marketing department, the manufacturing. Uh, the sales, the accounting, and and you have you know depending on how large your organization is, uh, dozens and dozens of different departments, and and then we have bosses, and we have peers, and uh, and the 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 official formal communication is determined by by management. They will send a certain type of email, or they'll send a, a memos. Uh, or they'll hold meetings, or they'll give uh, releases of some sort. And uh, they want everyone inside the organization to comply with the formal communication. It's channeled throughout the organization along organizational lines. It goes from the boss to the vice president, you know, to the managers, to the supervisors, and then eventually to the workers. It it. it it channels through those those lines that are on your org chart. But we can't forget there's an even more powerful communication. It's called the informal communication. It is the unofficial approach, and it's called the grapevine. Now, when you see a grapevine growing out in a the field, they plant a little tiny Uh, plant in the dirt. And as it goes up, it goes up and around the post and then across the wires and the vine just goes everywhere. It just keeps growing and twisting and growing and twisting. Uh, The grapevine operates fast and furiously in every work setting. It moves across those organizational chart lines uh it, it moves uh, down hallways through the lunchroom uh and you're communicating with people uh, over eating a sandwich or you're on an official phone call and then you say by the way guess what i heard well the other person's never going to say no don't don't tell me what you heard they're always going to say uh, yeah tell me and this is this is how it goes uh I kind of made up this little scenario. Someone will rush up to you, one of your friends, and they'll say, oh, man, guess what I just found out? It's so neat. And you're going to say, no, no, don't tell me. Of course, you're going to say, yeah, tell me. And then your friend's going to say, well, OK, I'm going to tell you. But you have to promise not to tell anybody else. Good luck with that. Well, yeah. And then, of course, you're, you're going to say, oh, yeah, I promise. And then they're going to share this information. The problem with that is the information could be a rumor, could be the truth, it could be a, a half truth, it could be false. But now it is spread, and then as soon as your best friend walks away, you got, you have another best friend. And you're going to repeat the same scenario. You're going to get on the phone, the computer. Uh, well, we may
0: not get on the computer because, you well, know, yeah, because yeah, that's traceable. There is a
1: trail. <laughs> uh, but you're going to share that information with your best friend, uh, like when you go your coffee break or your lunch or after work. And and so the informal communication is sometimes more powerful than the formal communication because there there are – times I've seen in my corporate life uh, that the owner or the manager is the last to know. Mm, Ouch. I know. And they they, they really don't like that. They like to be the first to know. But uh, the rumors spread and then finally it becomes uh, official. And, uh, you know, there are positive and negatives to the grapevine, by the way. To this informal communication, uh, of course, the negatives it could it could spread uh, accurate or inaccurate or incomplete information. Uh, it usually involves an unfounded source it usually distributes or multiplies discontent because some people get told and other people don't get told but it it has an it has a positive side too uh, it may serve as an emotional outlet for employees if you're not comfortable uh sharing with your boss your supervisor your first first line supervisor uh you you're more comfortable sharing with people you work with or people you know uh, outside of work. Uh, It satisfies a natural desire to know what is going on. We all have this curiosity, and uh, it it gives employees a sense of power because knowledge and thus communication is is a source of power.
0: Undoubtedly. Wow. This has been a really robust session. Can you kind of sum up some of the ways – that communication improvement for managers to their employees could be beneficial to the company, regardless of the size. There should be some, or are there some foundational things that every company, no matter what stage is in, could implement?
1: Uh, yes, of course. Uh, I've talked about the 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 the, the long list of uh, of methodologies, but it also gets down to the attitude and the psychological condition of the sender as well as the receiver. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't always know the psychological condition of the receiver. Uh, it's sort of like when we speak to children, we're we we, we we're a little more careful and we're a little more clear and we have to repeat ourselves. Well, we don't talk in the corporate world that way. But we we have to think about our body language in addition to Uh, This is for face-to-face communication, Uh, our facial, our gestural, our postural, because we use all kinds of uh, uh, frowns and smiles and posture and crossing our arms uh, and uh, our our hand signals. We know some of those are positive and some of those are negative. Uh, It seems that even managerial communication – has to involve more than only words.
0: Mm, That's good. That's real good. So let's talk about maybe a uh, summation of tricks or methodologies or abilities that someone could implement today. They're listening to us and it's like, man, I really need to improve communication between me and my employees or between upper management and middle management what are some of the things or some tricks or tips that they can start implementing that can give them some, not necessarily immediate results, but they can see a difference?
1: Well, two or three things come to mind. One is that after you, you create something, you should get someone else's opinion before you e-blast it out or before you, you pay to have it sent out in in some method whatever the methodology is 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 bounce it off uh, some trusted advisors uh instead of just uh taking the attitude well I'm the boss and I wrote this and whatever I say is good and that's it it may be good it may not be good and uh and then another thing is to uh think about your your receivers who's going to receive this information and then of course back to the methodology how many people do you want to reach and uh what's the intention the the intent of the communication and uh in the, in the corporate world uh uh i don't know how many times uh people have sent memos and regretted it because they didn't think it through uh or they had misinformation or they uh they lurched too quickly with that instead of thinking it through thoroughly i mean we've all made mistakes and we're human uh but in communication uh i think it's uh when those words are released you can't take them back no, it's it's set people have seen it or read it or heard it or they've seen you and your attitude and And they got it.
0: True enough. Also, I think for me, sometimes the frustration is reply all. If someone sent something directly to everyone and you want to respond just to that one person, don't hit reply all. Just take that person's name and go ta-ta-ta-ta and go from there. Now, if it's relevant to the group, then yes, it may be a question or a comment that could be relevant to the group. But sometimes hitting reply all is frustrating Extremely frustrating.
1: Well, that's right. And then, then the third thing uh, uh, in answer to your question, what what can companies do? Uh, there's something called upward communication. Now, we know about the downward communication where you get directives from people above you, people in a higher pay grade than you are. And uh, they're your boss and you, you either agree or you disagree, but you do it uh what upper management can do is uh employee uh attitude surveys we call these engagement surveys now uh suggestion boxes uh publicize your open door policy uh have small group meetings uh, coffee coffee talk a uh, uh, breakfast taco meeting and uh let people just sound off no harm done, but uh, that's the way you learn. Uh, you can assign task force and ad hoc committees and ad hoc, uh, means an informal, short-lived committee, uh, committee. Uh, exit interviews is something we use for terminated employees. And of course, performance evaluations are, are another problem because in performance evaluations, one person is judging another person and people don't like that. Uh, most people don't like to be the judge and most people don't like to be judged. And so there's a lot to learn about performance evaluations in the corporate world. Uh, but again, that, that, that's an opportunity for upward communication. Uh, it's, it's when you convince the subordinates to trust you enough to share the good, and the bad and the ugly. Yep. And all sometimes of it. it is ugly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's right. Uh, they the, uh, the the employees must feel that management will not criticize or penalize.
0: Yeah, key thing not penalize because sometimes what you may say and it all is in the delivery. It's all in what you say. Always also how you say it. But there's a way to upwardly convey how you feel or what you think respectfully so that management will listen to you and won't go womp womp want, want. They won't just ignore you or penalize you for the way you came across. So those are good points, Larry. Well, thank you. So how can someone get a hold of you if they wanted your expertise or wanted to contact you about uh, a communication issue or something like that? How could they get a hold of you?
1: Well, I have a little consulting practice. I'm just a one man band uh i home office my company is called management resolve and it's all one word uh and it's a website uh my phone number is 210 316 Zero six and I I get calls uh frequently with an HR human resource management question or issue or or other topics and uh there's no charge for telephone consultation. I'm glad to help people over the phone.
0: Do you have an email address just in case?
1: Uh yes. Uh, it's very simple Larry.a dot Hobbs Larry A Hobbs at gmail dot com.
0: Well thank you Larry we appreciate you
1: Uh, Let me just sum up our little visit here on communication. Uh, I picked this up in my research, and I'm reading this. It says, nature gave us two ears but only one tongue, which is a gentle hint that one should listen more than one talks.
0: Excellent closure. Well, thank you once again, Larry. We appreciate you. Audience, have a wonderful rest of your day, and we'll chat soon. Thank you. For more information about any of our guests, or if you have questions and comments, please email us at admin at PlemonsCPA.com. And don't forget to check out our website, PlemonsCPA.com, for upcoming events and workshops in San Antonio.
3: David B. Plemons CPA, Inc. is providing this podcast as a public service, but it is neither a legal interpretation nor a statement of David B. Plemons CPA, Inc. policy. You should always consult your own investment advisors, attorneys, and accountants before making any decisions concerning your financial matters. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact our office.